This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent, it's called service. Call State Farm agent Megan Roberts in Atlantic today. Well, hello and welcome to episode 90 of Podme. Yeah, it's been five months, I would say, since I did my last podcast. The reason being is... Uh, I got very busy, I had other things that really had to take precedence, so I decided to do a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival just gone, and I was concentrating on writing that and trying out new stuff, and oh, there was all sorts of things going on, so I decided I'd just lay off the podcast for a while, and um, well, so I did the show, and I wrote quite a bit of new stuff i wouldn't say the show was completely new in any sense but uh wrote a show called holy terror had a theme you know kind of religion and terrorism for a lot of it (laughs) and uh it was good i went over there for the whole three i did three weeks i missed the first few days because i had work over here and um Doing a show every day certainly tightens up your act. Um, saw a lot of good shows too. And while I was there, I uh, did a few interviews for the podcast. So that's why I'm back again doing it. I did actually think I was going to, I was going to kind of uh, can go back to the podcast sooner and maybe uh, record the uh, lead up to the festival. But... Um, just so many things to do and you know I decided uh, uh, concentrate on writing writing for that and writing for uh, ske- uh, some sketches I was doing with uh, Patrick McDonnell and um, did I have other stuff as well to do I don't know oh yeah 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 I was away for a while in May I was away in a America. Actually I have done some interviews for that podcast for this podcast over in America because I did a film over there an independent um horror film psychological horror film called Wretch which um isn't out yet. Um 
I'm not sure when, but when it is, when it does come out, I'll uh, I'll uh, release the um, interviews that I did over there. So I interviewed the director and and three of the actors on the set that I was working with. Uh, so that's what I was doing. Yeah, I was over there. That was uh, that was in May. Uh, um, God, it's hard to remember what happened, but I just came I came back and I was. Um, Oh yeah, I did another short movie then, uh, a with um, Mo Dunford. Uh, that is a horror movie as well. That's not out yet. That uh, is very short film, but all done in one one continuous shot. So that was a cool thing to do. Uh, rehearsed it for a whole day and then shot it uh, one morning, five a.m. in the morning. Uh, shot it few times before we got it right and um, and then I did another uh, small movie as well and then I did and then what did I what the fuck did I do I came oh man I just can't I can't oh yes no after when I came straight back from Edinburgh I, I did a couple of days on another film so I've been doing lots of films and uh, touring all over the country there with uh, Patrick MacDonald uh, doing uh, the Furthered Head show Um and that's all the lark I've been at. I'm sure there's other stuff I've been at, but it's kind of, you know what I mean? But anyway, Edinburgh, that was a big deal for me doing Edinburgh because I hadn't done uh, my own show for the full run of Edinburgh ever in my life. And uh, that's bad. I did a double act a show with Patrick MacDonald two years in a row. We did that. I did a play with uh, the Shawshank Redemption which I'll be talking about in the following interview, which is an interview with Owen O'Neill. Um, and I did five days. A, a few times I went over and did maybe five, six days. Uh, I think two years ago I did five uh, shows on my own, uh, full shows on my own. Yeah, but not the whole run. So the whole run's a different kettle of fish because... Um, Yes, just, you know, you got to be out flyering and getting people in and, like, uh, re- waiting for reviews and uh, uh, kind of... Oh, I guess you start off with a show that isn't completely... It's experimental or whatever, and then I think after about a week or so, it's kind of fairly solid. Not completely, still a, still a little bit of change here and there. Uh, so that was brilliant now and I kind of would miss that because you get the opportunity every day to 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 do to go on stage uh, and do your your hour and so you can uh, think of ways of changing the show and uh, and you don't have to wait to get to change it to get to try something new you've got you've got the next day to do it and it's your show so you can do it whatever you want it's not like so sometimes when you just uh, so you go back to what I'm doing now would be I suppose you consider a club comedian so you're doing shows and you're entertaining people so you're not like people aren't paying in expecting to uh, get uh, any kind of um, um, theme to your show right now that, that you expect to be entertained I guess so you're not going to be trying out your new bits in a lot of shows uh, but still I've learned, learned to I perhaps write a lot more and also uh, that that's my my 
plan would be from now because this is what I did to, to write the show was to go into uh, the international or, or any one of the small clubs nearby in uh, Dublin and have a five minutes written every week and um, go in and try it and then and, and then uh, see what bit or bits work or uh, come up with bits on the night as you're doing your new five and then come back and look at that but also look back through notebooks stuff I've written years over the years and not even tried and uh, just go over them and go well that was actually good if I just develop it and blah 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 so that uh, would be I'd like to go back to Edinburgh again and I'd like to uh, and I, I would um, this time start working on new stuff now and see what uh, we'll come up with um, and there's lots of ideas I've saw some great shows using one particular show using slides, another show using music and props and uh, different techniques rather than just pure stand-up. I mean, obviously, I use music and I use backing tracks, but I like to do visuals as well. So uh, while I was over there, I did four interviews with uh, different Irish comedians that I went to see. Uh, so the first one here will be Owen O'Neill, and uh, he was one of the very early Irish comedians I mean he started in London but he started when the alternative in quotation marks uh, comedy scene started and um, he uh, has gone on now from doing stand up to doing uh, one man shows that are are not comedy shows although there may be some laughs in them Um, he's also adapted the Shawshank Redemption which to the stage with Dave Johns and the second version of that I was a part of in the Edinburgh four years ago. Uh, now we did this interview up in the uh, stand two dressing room where I was doing my show. So there are some sound uh, sounds that you will hear. Uh, basically you'll hear the tram, the Edinburgh tram going by, the ding ding of the tram. So if you listen to this and you hear a ding ding, it's not your phone, it's the tram in Edinburgh. And and there'll be uh, little squeaks here and there of chairs and things, but uh, it's fine. But uh, also, we were interrupted. We had to do this interview over two days. Uh, we were doing it, doing it in dressing rooms, and we were interrupted um, a couple of times. So I'm going to have to I had to break up the interview. So I'll be back in in the middle of this just to uh, just to um, fill in the gaps. Yeah, so here we go anyway. This is uh, Owen O'Neill. Uh, hi, Owen. How are you, Joe? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Um... Well, I went to see your show earlier on the run, and uh, it was amazing. Really oh, loved the you. show. And uh, my daughter, 17-year-old daughter, she loved it. Which and was even better, in a way, because she's only 17. So she got it, which was amazing, you know? She did, and she felt quite emotional. She, it really touched her, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's nice. Towards the, yeah. the story is amazing. God, yeah. So, brilliant. Thanks. It's one of my highlights. Thank you, Thank you very much. 
and uh, and I have to say, and I'm not just saying this, <laughs> but I have, you know, I saw your show as well. This is like a clap on the back. Oh yeah, the competition, but it did, it, you know, genuinely make me laugh. Oh, and okay. you can actually play as well. You can actually play. You know, like you see music or you know comedians with guitars and stuff, and they can't really play, but you can actually play and sing actually. All right, well, over the years, my playing's got better. When I started out, I was shit. Yeah. When I was playing with Paul Tylock, the double act, All oh, right, I was the terrible. Squad, yeah, was yeah. Oh, I was terrible on guitar. It's awful. Well, you're getting a bit you've better. You've improved. Yeah, I'm getting a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was going to ask, because I saw your very first one-man show, mm-hmm. and it's amazing, and then this show, and they're based on your life. Yeah. I'm just thinking, what? An eventful life you've had. It's incredible. Well, yeah, I know people ask me, like, oh, is it true? Is it true? Well, obviously, there's, you know, elements of truth. This particular show in particular is almost all true. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I've embroidered a few things. But, uh, I mean, I come from a family, as I say in the show, there was uh, 15 of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so there was a lot of... Um, you know, aunts and uncles and extended family and cousins. And so there's a a lot of people. So inevitably, there was a lot of shit happening, you yeah. know, in, in our lives all the time. And plus, the town where I came from at that time was like there was loads of characters and loads of things happening, you know. And I just, you know, I kept them all in my head, all the stories, all the stuff, you know. Yeah. I don't know why I did, but I did. I remembered everything because I talked to my brothers and they say, what? I don't, I don't remember that. And I went, yeah, no, it happened, man. It really happened. <laughs> so, you know, um, I suppose, you know, that really helps if yeah. you come from an environment like that. Yeah. And then how do you... Um how do you write a show like that? Like, I, I, I could understand your first show because you, you were talking about your drinking yeah. stories, right? Yeah, off my face, yeah. <laughs> but this one, you've got to come from the angle of songs. So I, it's, I do. And what, yeah. I, and what I thought was, I went through... So the name of the show is... There's just, 10 Songs to Die For, yeah. which which is... I don't know if that's a great um, title or not, actually. Maybe I should have called it jukebox journey or something like that you know but but anyway you know a title's a title up here mm-hmm. in edinburgh um um i just think that i i thought right i'll go away but i'll go back to my first song that you know reminded me of something which was mm-hmm. the big rock candy mountain you know, yeah. by burla Ives, where my right. mother used to dance with me in the kitchen and so yeah. so i took it from there actually and then the next thing that happened i thought what was the you know was around at that particular time and of course you know jumping jack flash um the, you know that happened at the first kill so i mean mm. how to use that so just that I really began, happened that actually happened yeah he That's switched amazing. the tapes on me um and and that actually happened and i actually did it dressed up in a green suit with short trousers and doing mick jagger that's incredible uh, yeah i know i know and um uh my father, um, you know, he got to hear about it, like, and I thought he would, like, you know, I'd lose his rag about it, and he just, fucking, he just laughed. Yeah. Laughed. He just says, I can't believe, I can't believe you did that. He said, all the all the boys are talking about it in the pub. Ah, that's brilliant. <laughs> You're a young fella. Did you hear what happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. So that was amazing. So, yeah. so the, I went through it, you know, chronologically, you know, from, from I was like, you know, eight or nine all the mm. way through. 
uh, and then I just come up and then I just like I thread them all together really yeah yeah, and there's uh, a brilliant ending, so we wouldn't want to reveal that. No, that would be a spoiler. But yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah, yeah. And so, you uh, did you start doing comedy in London? It wasn't in Ireland. It no, was, I started uh, doing comedy in London. I went to London a bit eighteen years old, and I was a bricky. You know, I was a bricklayer, and I worked on, you know, on the construction sites of uh, England, mm. and uh, for at least eight years before I became. A comedian. I mean, I get into it. I was like twenty-eight. Mm. By you know, which you know, which you know, if you look at it these days, it's really you know, like it's 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 uh, you know really late. Mm. Um, and but then I had all these you know stories, and I had you know like a lot of experience, mm. and um, uh, and I was always you know you know trying to write poetry. That was you know, I don't know why. And then mm. there was a poetry pub in, um, I think it was in Holborn, and it was called uh, Poems for Pints. So if you went in and you read, like, you know, th- you know three of your own poems, you got three free pints. Uh, and I remember thinking, fuck, this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> free drink for, <laughs> for, you know, for, for poetry. And that's how I got into it. Right. Through alcoholics. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ironically. Um, and so that's how I got into it, and I saw... You know, you know John Hagley and all these p- people, and I was like really sort of you know influenced by all of this. And so, well, like it, it, these poet, poets, there's so some of them would have went on to do comedy. Is that you're well, saying? Well, yeah, they did. Been, like, I mean, there was Porky the poet, which was you know, uh, all right, yeah, Phil Jupiter, who was around at the time. Uh, there's quite a few of them actually. And John then, and, but and, oh, what happened to me was a complete accident because I used to, I didn't rehearse my poems. I read them off the page, and yeah. I, I, I was on the way on the tube, and I. I left them on the tube. So when I I got to the gig, I didn't have any poems. So I just had to talk to Uh the audience. And I told a a few old, you know, corny gags, like, you know, that my dad used to tell me. And then it was like a big laugh. And I thought, oh, this is a lot easier than doing poetry. Yeah. that's how I got into it, quite by accident. All right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely by accident. And when when you started off... I remember you had a story that you told on stage about when you started off doing comedy and were yeah. you kind of like dressed, you were more a character or... Because you know the story about the uh, gun. Yes, Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I had... Um, I, well, I was in a red suit. I used to wear a red suit because I thought it would be like, you know, showbiz, like a red suit, yeah. you know. I wasn't really a character, right. but I thought I would dress up in a red suit mm. and, um, and I had a... Um, a gun, a replica gun that I used to do a gag about, which was a really like a a topical gag, which was um, uh, there was a few people who were shot by the police in London. Uh, he, uh, there was three in particular, I think, where they knocked on the door and the guy opened the door and they just fucking shot him. like you know. In Brixton. In Brixton it was, yeah. I think it happened about, you know, three times in the one week or something like that. It was like crazy. Yeah. And, it was, and so I did this... Um, uh, a routine where I come on and I go knock knock and the whole audience go who's there and then I take out the gun and go the police mm. used to get a big laugh so mm. I had the gun and everything and then I got drunk and I got on the bus and I got arrested on the bus and the guy was going well and the bus was out near Heathrow was it? I was out near Heathrow airport mm-hmm. and uh, I fell asleep on the bus and then they uh, uh, arrested me and the guy said well 
what are you doing with a replica gun? Because I hadn't any idea, anything at all. And I said, well, it's a joke. I'm a comedian. And then they made me do the joke in the fucking police station. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's... And I'm going, look, it's just a joke. The guy said, well, if you want to, what is a joke? Yeah. You know, tell us. I said, well, it's a knock-knock joke. <laughs> and I was there and they all went, I went, a knock-knock. And they all went, who's there? And then I fucking shot the gun. And, <laughs> and uh and the guy just, I looked at me and then he just pissed himself laughing. Did he? Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. I mean, in the, in, I mean, I did a, I think I made a short about that, you know, like a, yeah. a short film about it uh, where they don't laugh. Well, they, no, they do laugh. And then the guy says, lock him up uh, at, All the, right, at yeah. the end, you know. But, but um, yeah, he just laughed and he just went, oh, for fuck's sake. He said, go on, on your bike. You know, like, yeah. him, like you have to be a comedian, like to come up with that, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they let me go. Right, you know? yeah. But that was another but one that, of my stories, <laughs> which but, are absolutely true, you know. But was that the start then of the comedy scene was just like That was just beginning to now. start at the time. It was about 89, around about 89, 88, 89. And the, yeah. I was doing, you know, like the comedy store every week and everything. And it was so easy then, like, to get gigs, you know. You yeah. just go down and, you, yeah, okay, you can do a gig tonight. Like, But now, like, you have to wait for, like, a year or something if you're, yeah. if you're like, a young comedian. But then it was just uh, it was just easy. I mean, I think there was only maybe like a hundred clubs around, yeah. you know, at the time, and there was only like three or four Irish guys, you know, doing comedy. At oh that yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe five, but you know, that was it. So um, who were the other Irish guys? Then? There was Ian McPherson, oh. Sean Hughes, mm. me, uh, uh, Michael Redmond. Mm. And um, yeah, Kevin McAleer, huh? Kevin McAleer, yes, he yeah. would he would have been there, but he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been, like you know he would have come over for like a few weeks and then went home again, oh, you know. Right. Carl McDermott, no. Carl was a, was around, mm. but again he was more in Ireland. In, in Ireland, in Ireland, yeah. Yeah. Of course, Ardle and the boys, you know, they came a later on, you know, like yeah. in the nineties, I would say, sort of in early. And was there a certain cachet in being Irish? There was at the time. I mean, uh, when the bombs were going off, it was sort of, you know, hard enough, like, mm. you know, to do it, you know. But um, but I, you know, I kind of used that as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I used to do a routine about, which used to go down very well. Well, not all the time, but um, I used to say, um, uh, you know, uh, there's a big sign now on the on the tube, you know, if you see an object, you know, if you can, oh, yeah. you know, I, I let the the people know yeah, on the station bag yeah, a bag, and then I and the punchline. Well, not if you've got a Northern Irish accent, yeah. Because I go, excuse me, there's a bag on the on the thing. <laughs> Call the cops. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So uh, I used to use that, you know, um, to my advantage, I think, at times. But yeah. uh, no, it, it it was uh, no, it was really good in those days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know that your first show was about uh, your drinking and the, you, I mean, you're off drink now for a long? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it got pretty bad, didn't it? It got very yeah. bad. It got very bad indeed. Uh, it got to the stage where I was having blackouts, which I didn't realize even, you know, I didn't understand what they were, you know. Yeah. I thought, you know, everybody had them. But with me, with a blackout, you can go for like, you know, two or three days and you can't remember anything you've done yeah. at the end of it, which is pretty scary. Because I started off drinking one night in Fulham uh, in London and I ended up, I woke up in Amsterdam and that really scared the shit out of me because I just, I looked out and there was trams going up and down and I thought, where the, f-? 
And then I went to, to the guy at the, I was in like this little hotel, and he said, yes, you came in last night with three friends, and uh, you had, some, you know, a few drinks, and and uh, I said, what, what, you know, who were they? And he said, there was a blonde girl and uh, a black uh, uh, um African guy, and um, you were in the th- here drinking. You were okay, or no trouble, and Jesus. and then you know, like I had to, I had to, you know, call my wife and say, and she would go, "Where are you?" I mean, she was just like in bits. Yeah, where the fuck? And I said, "Um, I'm I'm in Amsterdam." What? Well, you know, how'd you get there? I don't know. So she says, "You have to do. You just you're gonna have to do." You're gonna to have to go to AA, or this relationship is over. Mm. And and that was it. And then I went into AA, and I thought, oh, have I got a story for you guys? You know, because everybody was telling their stories, and then everybody just went, ah, oh, yeah. You know, like I wasn't, it <laughs> wasn't a big deal. Yeah, really. Yeah. No, not at all. Because it was this guy, and he was, uh, you know, he spoke like that. He says, "Well, one time I uh, had a big company, and I," he says, "I started off drinking in uh, in Brighton, and um, and I ended up in uh, Mumbai." <laughs> and he didn't know how they got there. Yeah, India. So I thought, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake, yeah. I'm in the right place. These people, they understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was the beginning of of my recovery from. And was it straightforward, or were it wasn't straightforward? I relapsed a couple of times. Yeah, you know, come off the wagon a few times, yeah. but straight into the uh, see because you have a sponsor and you have a person you can ring and they go look. I'll come over now yeah. to your house and all. I can, you know, AA is brilliant to me. Yeah. It really is. Um, did it um, interfere with your comedy at all? It kind of did because I wanted to, uh, I never, I wanted to close the show. I wanted to go on first so I could have a drink. Now that's oh. fucking crazy, isn't it? Right, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I did that for about a year. People go, why, how, how come you don't want to close? I want, I cut this other gig and, uh, you know, I make mm. excuses. But uh, yeah. it wasn't that because it was a few times I did close and I'd be too pissed because I'd been there on, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be drinking or I would arrive, you know, just before the gig, but then I would be drinking in another place, so I couldn't really uh, control it at all, you know. So yeah. then I used to go on first all the time. I used to, and people couldn't understand it. But like you're a closing act, I went, yeah, but you know, yeah, and yeah, that, and that used to cause me a lot of problems because, like, yeah. for, like, like for instance, the be a, a place like the, say, the Red Rose, you know, and you know Ivor Dembina. Do you remember the Red Rose Club, a uh, North London I club? Remember Ivor Dembina? Yeah, I think I've done. And Ivor would say, but. But these two people who were who were on can't fucking they can't close. They're not closing acts. You're yeah. the closing act. Yeah. And I yeah. had to like have a have an argument with him. And he went, I can't close with her. She's got to open. <laughs> yeah, 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 going, yeah. And yeah. I'll be fine, man. <laughs> 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 Which is mad, you know. Yeah. But that's just that's just the way it was, you know. I cared a lot more about the drink than I did about yeah. anything else. So you wanted to try and not drink before you went on. That's what I. But if you if you weren't opening. You probably would drink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I know. Uh, and then uh, is uh, is that why you wrote that? Is that your your first one man? No, show? it wasn't the first one man no. show. The first one man show I did was was called. It's it's a bit like this. It oh. was called. That was in nineteen eighty nine, I think. Or, yeah, where I opened the show and I did, um, you know. You know, three minutes of material. Mm. Good evening, gentlemen, blah, 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 and jokes. And thank you very much and good night. People are going, what? He's, fucking, he's only done three minutes. And then yeah. there was like a curtain behind me and it like dropped. 
and I had an armchair and a table and a sofa and then I, I, I went in and um, um, I sat down and I said oh, I just had to do the fucking comedy stand up comedy and I was fucking bit of shit and then I would pretend that they were like you know in my house oh, and yeah. I would chat to them all you know about all sorts of stuff Right, yeah. And then go, Christ, I have to go back to do the late show, you know? And then I would close with exactly the same material that I, I opened up. Oh, right, yeah. A, a nice That's, little... So uh, that was kind of letting people see behind the... Behind the scenes. The scenes. Almost, yeah. Dressing rooms. And then I, would, I was you know, able to talk about the audience as well. Because like in the three minutes you make it a guy, you know, hackling, you know, it's like, this yeah. fucking asshole, yeah. you know, hackling me. <laughs> was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, was a, that was a good idea, which actually I might... Try to revise that idea because I think it's a good idea. It is, yeah. And, and that was did, like, did you do that in Edinburgh? I did in Edinburgh, yeah, yeah. at the Grey Fires Kirkhouse. It's a little place um, in the Grass Market. All oh, right, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, you did a show with Sean Hughes. I did a show with Sean Hughes. We do, we wrote a play together. Actually, we yeah. wrote three plays together. Oh yeah, we wrote a play called Patrick's Day about two guys called Pat. Sharing Flat, we it? we we were actually in a flat, yeah. But yeah. we were we were um, we were you know trying to run a pub, and we run out of Guinness on St Patrick's Day. It ah. was like a sort of a, about the Irish experience, but it was like a a piss take off it, you know. Yeah, and uh, and that was we had such uh, you know crack with that it was fantastic, um, yeah. and 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 then we did another three plays together, like you know small sort of you know half hour plays. Yeah. Um, over the years, yeah. One of them's on YouTube. The whole play. That's the whole play. That's um, that's St. Patrick's Day. Is it? That's the one about yeah. um, Patrick's Day. Yeah, and I yeah. think it was Sean Hip who, uh, I, because I didn't realize it was on there until uh, until actually after he died. Oh, and yeah. you know, somebody said to me, "You know, it's on there." I went, "Really?" Yeah. So I was surprised that he had it on there. He never asked me. Like he just, I didn't. I don't care anyway. Like, you know, but um, yeah. But I didn't realize it was on there, and I'm glad it's on there. Like you know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it isn't bad at all. I mean, know? obviously, a play is. It's not meant for for one camera. You know, I mean, it's. it's oh, no, just I one, I think yeah. it's just one. I, it's camera. like just bang. And little, little, little. I can't remember why we did, we we did that. I mean, I think we we did that at the BAC. Mm. Uh, in England, in, uh, um, uh, and I think I can't remember uh, actually. I don't remember it at all. You know um, that you know that that particular. Pardon me, um, because we did it in Edinburgh, and then we did mm. it on tour like a few times. And the the ones on tour, I can't quite remember them. Mm. You know, oddly enough, mm. uh, but no, it was a good it was a good laugh. <laughs> Was that something that uh, yourself and maybe Sean Hughes as well, but wanted to do was to get away from the comedy a bit and be taken more seriously or well, do something? It more? wasn't that I wanted to be taken more seriously because I mm. was always, I didn't really think of myself as a stand up comedian ever, really. Yeah. Because I, you know, I began to do the poems, which were quite, you know, comedy, but, you know, not all comedy. So you accidentally. And, and I kind of acted, yeah. You know, got into it, and I thought, mm. oh, I like this. This is quick punchline. You know, I did, and I mm. thought, I wonder, can I do this? And mm. I thought, well, I can do that, mm. but it wasn't, you know, a career move. I didn't, yeah. you know what I mean. And and uh, I was always into plays and poetry and all that sort of stuff, mm. which I am today still. You know, so uh, when I'm called a stand-up comedian, I feel like a bit of a fraud. You still, 
still rankles with you a bit? Uh, it doesn't rankle with me, oh. but like I'm really not. You know, I don't th- believe I am mm. a true in the true. You know, I, you know, I, you know, a nature of the wor- of the of the term um, stand-up mm. comedian. I don't believe I am. You know, oh. really, really. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I can do it. Mm. You know, obviously, I can do it, and you know, like I have over the years. You know, twenty in the clubs. You know, I, I, I can do the twenty. Mm. You know, but there is a kind of a thing where you you have to be one thing or the other. Do, do, There's you kind know, of a thing, and I think maybe that's, not as much now, but n- sir- not as is uh, well. Uh, I, I mean, I remember I remember my agents. You know, the agents that I've had over the years. You know, yeah. you know, arguing with me and saying like, yeah, oh, and you have to be. You know, either you, what are you? Yeah, you do poetry and you do this acting thing and you do, you know, theatre and we have to try to up your profile and you have to we don't know how to you know that's what they used to say to me yeah we don't know how to we we don't know what to do with you really (laughs) what the fuck do you do (laughs) like we can't you're you're either comedian and we'll put you out there weird isn't it because it should be the opposite it should be you're able to do lots of things absolutely but they can't uh, you know for some reason they can't you know and Uh. and they you know like you know people always ask you What's the difference between you know you know doing stand up and doing well? There isn't really any. There isn't. It's oh, there, there isn't there a lot of difference. Well, it's it's really I, about. I suppose it's about what the people expect of you. You know, if you're in a club, obviously mm. I'm not going to tell a long story because I'm going to be booed off the fucking stage. Yeah, you know they're not so in the club. Yeah. I suppose it's about you know you know what the audience expect from. Uh, you know, of you, and, and yeah. you know, that's what it is. And if you're doing like a more of a play or spoken word or whatever, then they're more likely to, you know, like to give you a bit of time anyway, at least, you know, whereas yeah. in the clubs, they won't. No, they won't in the clubs. So no. it's very difficult. I mean, I, I would have, found, I definitely found it different to going from clubs to doing something like even the show here, even though I'm doing a comedy show, yeah. you're not, it's not, you're not going to do a laugh a minute show at Edinburgh. No, 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 it's no. going to be a bit of a, yeah. Serious message, <laughs> yeah. But that can be difficult if you've just done the clubs a lot, and and your your instinct is to keep laughs going. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, we did get interrupted there because we were in uh, the dressing room where uh, people were coming in and out. So, uh, well, I'll take this opportunity to plug a few gigs coming up. So, uh, I'm going to be. Uh, with Patrick MacDonald and the Castle Town Bear Coast Hotel on the 14th of September and in the White Horse in Ballincollig on the 15th of September and then I'll be um, oh, uh, I'll be in the Laughter Lounge on the 20th, 21st and 22nd of September uh, and in the Imperial Hotel in Dundalk on the 28th of September and uh, myself and Patrick will be doing a gig, Patrick McDonald that is, doing the Further Ted Show in Trabolgan on the uh, 29th of September. I don't know when this is going to go out, if it went out in the next day or two, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're in doing the Father Ted experience in Tyrrell's Pass on the 7th of September and uh, we're in camp in Kerry on the uh, Saturday the 8th September I actually did the Father Ted experience in 
with uh, the lads with the full band in uh, in the trailer park at uh, Electric Picnic, and that was class. It's good old Electric Picnic. Had a good time. I did a a few gigs, and then I went to see my son's band, Modern Love, play in the trailer park and in uh, the Salty Dog uh, stage. So it was a busy weekend. Very good. St. Vincent was absolutely amazing. My favourite. And along with Mavis Staples, she was incredible. So I'll hand you over. We'll go straight back now to Owen Megalov. What I was saying is is it difficult to switch from the clubs to where you're not getting a laugh every minute? Yeah, it's the pace of it. It's... You know, the, it's the beats, the rhythm of it, obviously. Uh, and when you're doing clubs all the, all the time, and then when you do a play, you think, I'm dying here. I'm yeah. dying on my own. But then I have to think, you haven't told a joke, Owen. You're telling a story, man. Relax. You know, they're into this. Even in my show I'm doing now, if I do, like, the clubs beforehand, and I do a lot of, you know, stand-up comedy where it's bang, bang, bang. Yeah. It's hard to get into that other place. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, but I like that. I like that. You know the change of that. Yeah, I like the. It's really the I challenge mean, of that. You know, when I did the uh, play with you, the Shawshank, the Shawshank yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my first stage play, actually. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. it. <laughs> so that's that. Even doing that is yes. difficult to go. Just play it. You're not. I'm just you're playing not a role. A I'm not going to get a laugh here. You know what I mean? And, and the oh, worst thing that happens is you do get a laugh one night. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then and you, then you don't the next. And then you, yeah. <laughs> Mind you, that happens to stand up as well. <laughs> well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that happens uh, to stand up. Makes you want but to you, try and get the laugh. But you did. Uh, I mean, I think you. I'm surprised actually. It was because you did it. You know, really well. You talked to it like a doctor water really. And you I did loved that, it. Loved it. and you had the only, I think you had a, a thing that I wrote about, uh, was it um, uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover, where you had oh, to yeah. read out the piece, which was, yeah. which was, uh, yeah. I was which used to get a laugh. There was a laugh. There no, was a laugh. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, you blame yourself, you know, you think, oh, I didn't get the laugh tonight, you know, yeah. but it's, it's just the audience. Really. <laughs> well, I said... Owen McLove there. That's Owen O'Neill, of course. Well, we went off and continued the interview the next day and we started off in this final installment of this interview talking about a two-hander play that Owen wrote and performed with Sean Hughes. God, a 1991? Yeah, 19... And he won the Perrier the year before. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so he was like, like a hot ticket. He had his, like, you know, like a TV show and stuff. And then he went, I'd like to write a play with you. And I went, are you sure? I went, nobody knows who the fuck I am. I mean, are you sure you want to write a play? You don't want to, you know, have the momentum of the period. And he went, no, no, no. That's what everybody will expect. Yeah. You know, he said, I want to do this play. You know, I have an idea. I said, okay. So we ran the idea and then we changed it and we rehearsed it. And we just had such a, a great time, like for you know, three months writing this stuff, just up in his house every day, just laughing every mm. day in the living room, yeah. just having a great time. And then we did the play, and it was it was great. You know, audiences they loved it, but uh, but it was on the theatre, you know, and the and the theatre critics fucking hated it. Yeah, yeah, really hated it. They called us despicable con artists. <laughs> was one review we got despicable con artists because it was supposed to be a play in two acts and it, it wasn't really it was just a shambles of a thing I mean the production the blocking was a bit like we didn't really know what we were doing like we directed it ourselves and all of that you know yeah 
but audiences fucking loved it. You know? Right. Just yeah. the, you know, it was just raw and it, you know chaotic, and it was just jokes and just me and Sean on stage, and um, but like it had a you know a premise and it had a, a structure of sorts, you know, and it sort of ended, and uh, and it was this guy came in, he called us despicable con artists. And um, so Sean said, how about we get it blown up, like really big, and we'll put it outside, <laughs> outside the gilded balloon. Yeah. And so Karen Corlin, who was going, you can't do that. Oh my, what do you mean? You can't be putting that out in the thing. Sean, yeah, yeah, it'd just be a laugh. So I wasn't, you know, too sure about it myself at the time. And then I sort of, like I came around to the idea, I thought, yeah, this might be a laugh, actually. So we did. We put it outside Despicable Corners. But when we went up to George Street at the bottom there, there used to be a, a place where you had to go then to get everything, you know, enlarged or blown up. You know, oh, right. one, of, one of those old shops. It was a big deal getting anything. I, absolutely. And there was a guy there with, a, you know, brown overalls and everything, you know, like mm. with all the pens in his pocket and stuff. Mm. And he said, uh, all right, uh, well, you know, how big do you want this? And we were talking about like as big as it. Well, I could, I could go like sort of eight inches and then like maybe, um, I don't know, do you want it like uh, three foot wide? I'm going, yeah, as big as you can. Yeah. It'll be about 25 pounds, you know, which was a lot of money then, you know, yeah. 1991. So we said, okay. And then as we were going out the door, the guy said, um, hold on a minute, lads. Excuse me, is this for your show? He said, yeah. So he said, uh, despicable con artist. Is this, are you sure this is what you want on the thing? Mm. The Scotsman, despicable con artists. So Sean said, yeah, it's the best review we've ever had. We're really excited. <laughs> <laughs> stared at us so then we put yeah. it outside the venue and um, and then we used it um, in the play as well uh, when oh, we were yeah? sort of arguing with our, our characters every night he would say well you're just a despicable con artist and <laughs> used to get a big laugh every night so we used it to yeah. our, our advantage you know Ah, that's really brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah re really good that's the way to do it if you get a bad review <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah just go for it and uh, so was he getting a lot of obviously Sean fans, but even though it was put under theatre, they it was were put under theatre. But like we packed out, you know, mm. because of his, you know, mm. because everybody wanted to know what the hell's he doing. You know, he's mm. doing a play with Owen O'Neill. Yeah, um, and like he was twenty-five, <coughs> and I was, um, you know, ten years, uh, you know, older than him. You know, um, mm. and uh, but uh, I mean, you, you know, he he was uh, he, he was like. Sean was a sort of um, a guy. He didn't uh, like if you said, you know, do this. He would, you know, really want to do the opposite. Do you know what I mean? He was a mm. bit like that. Um, but like he, he was inventive with his jokes. You know, really inventive and off the cuff. And every night he would ad lib something. Yeah. Completely throw me like you know. As really. As, so I had to get used to that. Like you know. Yeah. Courageous as well. Eh? It was courageous. Like he would just ad lib this whole thing, and I'm I'm thinking, what? The, this isn't. It? So then I had to get used to it, and I actually, uh, you know, I it it like, you know, it taught me to be more sort of adventurous as well because I was yeah. always scripted. I was I was always for the script and the thing. I mean, improv I never understood. I could I tried it a couple of times. I'm just crap at it completely. You know? Yeah, I'm not very good at it. I mean, you just yeah. have to relax with it and just, you know. Yeah. If you think too hard about it, you can't do it, I don't think, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's well, why. I do, but it's a, it's got it's it's got a framework. It's not that people don't realize there is certain framework. Oh, well, I know that, it. yeah. I mean, there is a uh, when you get the same uh and, you know, like when the people when they you know, give us a genre or, you know, a, 
an object or something. Yeah, I'm sure you get them. Get like, a lot the same, yeah. But the it, same stuff. I like uh, when it's just free form as well. But mm. um, uh, so actually, Sean used to to uh, uh, it was in a double act called Short and Curly's, and and uh, he That's supported right. the band I was in called Guernica. I did meet him one night. Uh, I hadn't met him in ten years or something up here at Edinburgh. Mm. He was pissed. But he started singing the lyrics to to a song that was like that Guernica had played, and I don't think it was ever, it wasn't even ever recorded. But he knew all the lyrics. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was really into the band actually. Yeah, he was into his music, mm. and he was into. I mean, he used to come around and say, "Don't want to listen to this. This is gonna used to drive me mad." I just shown this is shit. Honestly, I, I mean, mean our music taste up. Just obscure bands, you'd yeah, like of, you know. Yeah, like I know he's into like Mar drony stuff, and, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I, what's his name? You know, and you know, and um, I'm Cave. What's his name? Um, Nick Cave. Yeah, Nick Cave. Which, which I, I like, but you can't. I, I listen to Nick Cave for like an hour. It would just drive you mad. All right, yeah. After a while, you know. I mean. You know. And he was really into tear, teardrop explodes. Oh. A teardrop explodes. Uh, Julian uh, Cope. Julian Cope, yeah, of course, mm -hmm. uh, and Nick Cave, uh, the Beast and Me. He used to play that for me all the time, which I loved, you know. But yeah. mm, uh, you know, not all the time. Yeah, you know, it just got a bit depressing after a while, Nick Cave, you know. And did you write then together after that? We wrote uh, three other yeah short plays. We wrote a play called um, um, you know, Dehydrated. Mm. I don't understand the title, but anyway. It was about, uh, again, you know, two brothers, and uh, the brother is away in England. You know, he's been away. He Like, he left the other, you know, brother with the mother and the father and the farm, and he fucked off. And then the father dies, and then the brother rings him up and says, my mom is dead as well, you know, you better come back. So then I come back, but she isn't really dead. She's only pretending to be dead to get me home. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the coffins, and then she goes up out of the coffin. Goes, well, now this is the only way I get to come, to come back. And again, it was all sort of about Irishness, but you know, a parody of of you know all of that. You know, of the Irishy type of play. the Irishy type play. Mm. You know, the Playboy and all of that, and and like the you know, being away from home and thinking about Ireland and coming home and all the you mm. know. And this is with the time of the you know the Celtic Tiger and you know the Celtic Twilight, and so we kind of like we kind of you know took the piss out of out of all of that. Yeah, yeah. And a few people, you know, they got it, but a few people thought. Oh, well, they're just, you know, we're actually doing what we were supposed to be, you know, trying to parlay. Oh, yeah, yeah, but like it's but weird. But that happens, it's really I, strange. I know, I went to see uh, The Cripple of Inish Man in London. Mm. And I think half the audience just thought, took that as real, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of American tourists in there. I don't think they were getting any of the no. satire of at all. satire of it yeah. at all. You know, like the, yeah. <laughs> they're just loving this big Irish play. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know, no, that's... <laughs> Yeah. It's true that with his material, you know. But then uh, I went to see the the lieutenant of a. Did you say the lieutenant of Inishmore or Cri the, the cripple. cripple of Inishman? Inishman. I went to see the lieutenant of Inishmore. Which mm. have you seen that? No, I've very seen violent. That. I mean, yeah. over the top violence, you know, mm. about the IRA and stuff. And it's 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 really good as well. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, you were saying that you were about to write something with Sean then. I was about to write with him. Uh, it was Risky. called, you know, Two Dead Guys, God, oddly really? enough. Yeah. About two guys who, uh, they wake up in a morgue 
uh, they wake up in the morgue and they think, and they've been out, you know, drinking. And the mm. guy goes, oh, this hotel's a bit shit. Is this a Premier Inn? It's, not, it's freezing in here. Mm. There isn't any, there's not even a toilet. What the fuck? What's these, these drawers? It looks more like a morgue. It's not a morgue. It's stupid. So they try to open the door and the door's locked. So it's all about that. But these, I mean, are they dead? You know, have they come back? Right. Yeah. Do you know, it's all about that. And uh, we never really, uh, but there was no ending to it because we never really, you know, because obviously Sean died, ironically. Yeah. And um, so I don't know if I'll revive it with another person or not. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might do, but uh, at the moment I've got no plans to, you know. Right. But uh, so we were talking also earlier about the fact that I was in that play, The Shawshank Redemption, which you and Dave Johns had had um, adapted. Uh, adapted, yes. From <laughs> that's the word from the book. Uh, so how did that come back? You had you done other play, a few other? Um... Well, we did. You know, like we did the uh, you know Twelve Angry Men with all the comedians initially in two thousand and three. Yeah, and then we did after that. We did uh, one. Pardon me. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, with, with Christian Slater, Christian Slater, Barber. Did, you were on that run. That was ran for a year at least. It did, and yeah. I was in the, in the both shows. Yeah, with Christian, yeah. and uh, who I'm now a friend of, and he came back to do Glen Gary, Glen Ross last year, and we and we hooked up and uh, went oh, out yeah. for a meal and stuff. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, um, uh, he's not drinking anymore. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and. Um, so, uh, you know, that was great. Uh, and then we did The Odd Couple with uh, Bill Bailey and Alan Davis. We did that as well, at the, you know, up here. So we, we did a few of those things. And then uh, Dave Johns said, uh, well, we have to do another plan. I was going, yeah. So we were going through all these things. And actually, my son, Ollie, he said to me, Dad, what about the Shawshank Redemption? Mm. And, uh, and And then I just, I forgot about it. And then... And Davy Johns went, what about the Shawshank Redemption? All right. And then I thought, did you tell me that before? Because I had forgotten that Ollie said it. And he went, I, I had mentioned it before, but he, but he hadn't, I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He, he maintains it was his idea, which I don't, it doesn't really matter. So then I said, okay. So then I wrote a treatment, went off to, uh, I rang up uh, a Richard Cook, and I said, is there anybody in Ireland who you think would be you know, into this? Any producers? And he went, yeah, I think so. Maybe Brita and, yeah. and Pat from uh, Elaine Productions. It might be interested. So, so he hooked me up with them. I had a meeting and they said, we love the idea. The treatment's great. Um, you know, we'll pay you to write a script. Mm -hmm. I wrote the script with Dave and... Um, with Dave and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, anyway, so so um, uh, and then it took them another year to get the rights. They had to go back and forth to New York and talk to you know King's people, the Stephen King's people. We we weren't allowed to use anything from the movie. It had to be all in the book. Mm. Although they did use um, Red as as a, as a, as a black guy because mm. in the book he was a red-headed Irish American. Mm -hmm. which is why he was called Red in the book. And there's a line, I think, in the movie where he says, why do they call you Red? And he went, well, I, I guess it's because I'm Irish. Uh, that's actually a line in the movie, you know, oh, yeah. which they kind of just threw in. Yeah. So anyway, we did the script and they liked it and then they got the rights and then we cast it and we did it at the Getty for like, I don't know, 
eight weeks or something it ran, and it was just packed every night. And it was yeah. great. Everybody loved it. You know, good reviews, all of that. And then the London producers come on the scene and went, oh, we could maybe get some... This is this is good. But then they they fucked it up, basically. They took it to, to London, to the West End, and they changed the cast, and there was problems within the cast, and people were getting, uh, you know... The wages were different from other people, and they found out, and it was just a mess. It was a mess, and there was eighteen in the cast, and for the West End, that's ridiculous for that's a huge. drama. Yeah, eighteen people in the drama. I mean, I mean, it's unheard of. Yeah, and even I said, like, it's, do you think? I mean, uh, maybe we can strip it, like mm. maybe to twelve or ten or something. No, I'll be fine. Eighteen to be fine. So there was eighteen in the cast. So they had a, a bad patch. Mm. And then they used one of the PR people. She used a, a quote that wasn't a quote at all. It was a quote from the movie. The guy uh, in the um, who who reviewed it, he he didn't uh, like the play, her play, and then he he quoted the movie and said, you know, the Shawshank Redemption film is is great. Oh yeah. And then they used that. <laughs> They used to quote, oh, and then he, right. he threatened to sue them. Oh, okay. And they had, it was a big furore, but it was all in the Evening Standard in the middle pages, you know. But yeah. Everybody was, you know, everybody was, you know, checking their quotes all around the West End to see if they were, you know, if, yeah. they, if, they, were, if, if they were okay. So that didn't really help us either, you know. So anyway, it closed after, I don't know, eight or nine weeks. So that, that was a bad experience in the yeah. West End. Even though it was good, it was a good play, but it's just, you know, like it had a bad patch and they couldn't recover and there was an 18. And then I rewrote it in 2013. Mm. I rewrote the whole thing and I stripped it down to 12 pe- people. I maybe even... You know, only uh, how many was in that cast? About ten, yeah. Mm. Which you were yeah. a part of, and uh, uh, and uh, I was, you know, I really, you know, happy with that production. I thought it was good, actually. Yeah. And we got good reviews and everything, and and it was good. And then, uh, what's his name came on the scene? Um, Ken, um, Ken, um, Kenwright, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Bill Kenwright, the impresario. Mm. And he came on. He said uh, he's like an old, an old school sort of manager, you know. Mm. All right, I want to like to take this on tour. You know, I think I can make a bit of cash out of this. It'd be great to so take it on tour. You know, take it all around. Um, okay, so then he did. He took it on tour. And mm. He recast it, and I played the the warden for like three months of it. But then I just had a, enough of it after that. And then they toured it in two thousand and fifteen, two thousand. And 17, no, 2014, 2015, 2016. Yeah, they turned it for, th- I think, three years in a row wow. around the UK. And then they had a... Uh, As a one-act play. They didn't do it uh, last year. Yeah. No, it's... In, because we did it as a one-act play. Yeah. No, we did it for two... We had, I had to add to it. Okay, okay. You know, for, for the tour. Yeah. I added a bit to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they're going to do it again uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A tour of um, uh, like a UK, a major, you know, uh, like a number one tour of the UK. So, and it sold out everywhere it went. Yeah, yeah, because of the title and well, the music can play as it, well. It, I it think is, is so. It? They got you know TV stars, you know, from the soaps and stuff, you know, from mm. like to get the people in. And I mean, uh, that's the way he works, you know. Yeah, and occasionally the casting was good, I thought, and occasionally mm. the casting was a bit, you know, okay, yeah. okay. Shall we say, because I tell you, I mean, you know, TV actors, 
when they come on the stage, and if they haven't been on the stage, you can't actually hear them. They don't know how to project their voices, which mm. is weird. You would think like they would know that. Mm. And there's quite a few of them. I mean, I was in, like in the fourth row, couldn't couldn't hear. Yeah, fourth couldn't row. Couldn't hear, honestly. And so there was a few complaints on the last tour, or the, maybe the tour before that, mm. that they just they couldn't be heard. Yeah, well, it's especially in it's a difficult. big old barn of a place, you know, like yeah. you get like, and and you really have to be able to. But um, I've noticed with the other a play I did last year, the uh, Chastership, the main actor was amazing. It looks like he was talking, but he projected right, right to the right back. To, well, see, it, but he didn't look like he was shouting. No, I know it's an incredible. There's skill. a knack in it uh, yeah. mm. that you just use your. Your diaphragm, and you just push out more, you know. Mm. And also, if you see a play initially, you think they're talking loud here. Why are they being so? But then after a while, you become, you think, you know, you get used to it. Yeah. To that kind of volume. Yeah. If you notice, like in the West End, they come in, they go, "Well, John, what are you going to do?" You know, like they're not yeah. actually shouting, but it's sort of. Um, you have to do it. It yeah. isn't realistic no. in a way, but then you get used to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But these yeah. guys were just like talking as if they were like there was a. A microphone just here, just yeah. to pick it up, you know. But do you not think that the uh, drama now, uh, they are, they're whispering on TV, on they're TV, whispering, just yeah. whispering. It's a lot of whispering. It's a lot, yes. Yeah, a lot of talking. And, like going, and you can't even have, hear have, television anymore. No. Uh, maybe it's just we're getting old and our, and our, No, our I think it's in style at the moment. It is in style, To yeah. just never, just talk beyond, you're just like that. I know. And you're wondering, are, are they... Yeah, able to hear each other even on set, even uh, on even the on set, <laughs> film set. I, 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 I would be surprised if they can actually, because you know all this whispering going on. Yeah. I'm gonna kill you. What? <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee at two o'clock. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> I know it's just uh, bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, so, what you're up to now? I know you've got this brilliant play that uh, we've talked about earlier and at the minute. and is this your thing is how, how many times have you brought a one-man place to yeah, Edinburgh well like, I'm glad you asked me that Joe yeah because this is my I was actually the other day I was asked this actually my wife asked me so many of these have you done I was like about 15 I think 12 yeah. or 15 and then I started to count them all up from eight, from in 86 I came here first mm. I've done 21 wow 21 yeah. And four plays in Edinburgh, which is like bonkers. That's incredible. You think I would have learned by now, like, and not to come back? <laughs> but are you not going to uh, revise some of them? I mean, you've well, so many um, of them. Look, there's, uh, there's talk about taking Absolution, which is the play about um, the guy who kills the paedophile priest. I don't know if you know about that one. No, I don't know about that one. That <laughs> was a one-man play I did a few years ago. Yeah. And um, it was called Absolution. Have it was like a heavy. I've like not seen it, but you know, heavy piece. Yeah. And um, and they want me to take that to to Adelaide uh, yeah. next year. And I revised that. Um, uh, um, I did it at the Park Theatre at Finsbury Park um, two years ago. All right. So I did do that one, but the other ones are kind of off their time. And like even like you know, off my face about the alcoholism, I don't think I could actually. Really, I wouldn't be able to do that again. I don't think so. I don't know why. It's just like I don't know actually. Uh, um, I don't know the reason why, but I just it just feels like it was. I had the energy to do it then. I had the sort of. Um, 
the uh, the drive to do it, you know, because it was a story I wanted to tell, and I've yeah. told it now. So it's like the edge is sort of off it now ah. from a performance um, yeah. aspect. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, but uh, I would really, I like to get a, an actor to do it, you know? I was going to ask you that. A would young you actor get someone to do it? Else Absolutely. Yeah. I'd really, I'd like to do that, you know? Th yeah. That would be a good idea, I think. Um, and do you write them down or do you? I have that chat? one, actually, yeah. I have yeah. that one. I have that one uh, on a hard copy. Okay. But I don't have a lot of them. I lost them and I didn't have them on. You know, I just used to type them up and then just... And then they would change, you know, so much in rehearsals. Mm. There'd be, be lines through them and be, you know, everything. And then at, at the end of the run, I would think, you know, I, I actually haven't got a copy of this. <laughs> but would you have recorded them audio, in audio recording? No, I don't Are ah, you serious? I didn't record them or I didn't film them. I didn't. It was stupid, isn't it? That's mad. But there you go. Very Buddhist of you, though. Just to it's just weird. Just, and then just keep going with stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I get I never thought of it like that. <laughs> To me, I'm just not organized. Oh, right, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm just disorganized in that way. Um, yeah. What about the one, the one about Mick Jagger? Yeah, uh, yeah, looking for Mick Jagger, and um, there was a mate of mine, uh, a Matt Clifford, who, who's who's actually on on the tour of them now, or you know, the last one they did with the Stones. Yeah, he plays, um, you know, uh, the keyboards mm. on stage now for them as well. But he was a I made a Mick Jagger, and I said, "Is there any chance you could get a script to make?" And he went, "Don't be stupid. He's not going to." Well, what's the what's the uh, premise? The premise was there was this guy, and he was obsessed with the Stones, mm. and his wife was at the end of her tether. She just went, "You fucking look how much you've spent. You've just you're touring with the Stones almost. You know everywhere mm. they're going, and we can't afford this. Mm. Why don't you go and Why don't you go and stay with Mick Jagger? I mean, you're just you're, you're just a fucking idiot. You're in your fifties. What does it matter with you?" And he was going. She said, "Look, I'm telling you, if you don't quit this, I'm going to leave you." And he goes, "Well, I'll tell you what I'll do." I'll find him and I'll persuade him to retire. And then once he retires, I won't have to keep chasing him. And she was going, you're a fucking lunatic. You're going to find Mick Jagger and persuade him to retire. I went, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. She went, okay, when you do that, and I'll come back to you. I went, okay. Right, so she leaves. She packs her bags and I go off to find Mick Jagger. And I find him. Because what happened was... Um, I spoke to uh, you know to Matt Clifford and he said no nah, he won't look at the script and I said well just please just like the script is there but so he went okay all right I'll ask him so he asked him so then you know three days later he rang me up and he went he wants to meet you and I went really wow he said yeah in Claridge's he's on the top floor I went okay and he said but you have to get here now I went I'm on my way <laughs> I'm on my way <laughs> so I go over and I have to go in and say um, I'm here to see a, a Mr Boyle. That's what I had to say to reception. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, yes, Mr. Boyle, okay, is on the top floor. So I go up to Mr. Boyle's apartment, which is the whole of Claridge's on the top floor. And so Jagger's in, he went, oh, right, oh, hi, Alan. Uh, yeah, well, so what's this? You want to take the piss out of me? Then uh, what? What's going on? And he said, well, I really I like the idea. You know, I said, it's, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. And I said, okay, all I need you to do is that I, I break into your house. So there's a, there's a clip of me outside this like a big house, and I go, like, I know he's in there. I've been ringing the bell. So what I'm going to do is a bit drastic, but I've got no choice. I have to find him. And then you see me, you, you know, jumping over a wall. Mm. And then we cut, and he's at the at the fireplace, you know, and like, I look at him, like, and like, a, Mick, look, I'm really, and you can't, I'm out of shot. 
Mick, I'm really happy that you've, uh, you know, that you're doing this for me because you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to uh, save my marriage. And he went, yeah, all right then. So he has to read out the letter and he went, hi, hi, Pauline. It's uh, Mick Jaggery. I'd like to say that all Owen's... All the womanizing and the staying out late and following us around the world has all been my fault, and I'm going to retire. I'm going to give up, and I'm just going to play cricket. All right? Okay, it's all my fault. He's a good guy. So please, please, Pauline, take him back. Right? I go, thanks, Mick. And I pander on the man said, I'm really sorry I had to use these tactics, and I've got a balaclava and a fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get up and I go... Any chance of two free t- t- tickets for the next uh, a leg of the of the New York tour? And he went, "Don't push it, mate." And he p- p- pushes me like that, and then it just it's a freeze frame, you know? Right, right. And so he did that on film, and that's the end of the show. And people were like, "Fucking hell! How did you get Mick Jagger to do that?" But yeah. I, when I did it in Australia, this one bloke said, "It's a really good uh, Mick Jagger a lookalike you got there. That was really fantastic." I went, I went, "It is Mick Jagger." Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. He didn't believe it. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it was a Mick Jagger lookalike. Yeah. So that was a great story as well. You know, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's really good. Um, and so, uh, are you taking this show anywhere now? You're gonna. I don't know. But I'm do going to tour. When you finish Edinburgh, do you, do you tour us? Yeah, well, UK I'm going to tour or? Ireland with us from oh, the 15th of September to mm. the 10th of October. Oh, right. Cool, cool. Which is my birthday. That's, that's, that's the, the day. Tenth. The 10th. Yeah, of October. Mine is the 1st. So I'm doing... So we're both Libras. Yeah, I'm doing mm. all... I mean, I'm doing all the small little places around Ireland, you know? Yeah. I'm going to Le Stoll, oh, and right. I'm going to... Oh, I love that theatre. It's a church. That little and, church theatre yeah. is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm doing that. I'm doing, you know, the Ardoan and Fermanagh all around Belfast and Down and, oh, right, yeah. and Derry and Kerry and all over the place. And I, I'm just going to hire a car and drive off like a troubadour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, is that what you do? Are you, are you are you mostly? Would you do stand up now much? Or do you, I would do stand up. I mean, yeah. on that tour, I'll be doing the laughter lounge. You know, three oh, nights. Oh yeah, yeah. You so know, you so can well, mix it up. Yeah, I'll mix it up. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm doing. Uh, I think I'm doing the uh, the black box. I think uh, a lunchtime gig in Belfast as well. Is it the Out to Lunch Festival? Yeah, it's great. That's a brilliant festival. It's fantastic, man. And they get yeah. you know, mm. it's great. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just get a little tour on until October, and then I'm working on a screenplay. Oh, okay. That's being directed by Stephen Bradley. Which is oh uh, yeah, Deirdre Kane's uh, husband. husband. Yeah, yeah, Dee's husband, and yeah. uh, um, so we're in development with that with the Irish screen. So I mean, is a way to go yet, but we're mm. over a few hurdles, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know they give us a few quid to develop it and to write the rest of it, and uh, so mm. if they like it, then we're up and running with Fingers that. Crossed. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, listen. Thanks, Owen. Thank you very much. My pleasure. There you go, that's Owen McLaughlin. So, uh, Owen McLaughlin. Owen O'Neill! 
So uh, his show is brilliant. Ten songs to die for, and it's going to be touring around Ireland. So I would go and see it because, uh, as I said in the interview, I went with it. I brought my seventeen-year-old uh, daughter, and she was very moved by the by the um, story that he um, tells during the show and the way he told it. That's there's a big reveal actually at the end of it. So. Um, uh, yeah, so I'd definitely go and see it. Now, I'm, I've got a few more interviews from Edinburgh. I think the next one I'll put out will be uh, one with uh, John Lynn. Uh, I went to see his show as well, uh, Addiction Diction, and uh, it, that was another brilliant. What a great performer he, he is as well, a very charismatic man. That was a good one. Uh, and uh, uh, I had a chat with him. Other shows I went to see, by the way, Paul Curry's show, Hot Donkey, absolutely incredible show. Uh, there was a girl called Elf Lyons, loved her show, very physical and uh, eccentric, but in a good way. So, uh, and I can't think of, oh, there is another one, but I can't think of his name, but I will think of it uh, by the next. Um, Packer, Henry Packer, an amazing show with, uh, 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 he's an, he's a cartoonist and he put, he uses cartoons in his, um, in the stand-up show. Mostly in stand-up, but he switches to cartoon. And it's just brilliant. And that was part of the Free Fringe. And so, uh, incredible. Probably one of the best shows I've seen. Uh, Free Fringe, Paul Curry as well. Two of the best shows I've seen with Free Fringe. You pay uh, as much as you want when you're leaving. And people do pay as much as they probably would pay to a normal show. A show that they had to buy the ticket to before they went in. Uh, so that was it now okay great to be back doing Potter Rooney uh, you can uh, contact me at www.joerooneycomedian.com or on my Twitter Joe Rooney one or on my Instagram Joe Rooney one Joe Rooney comedian sorry on my Instagram and Facebook and all that malarkey so uh, yeah good to be back I uh, hope you enjoyed this one uh, that's episode 100 is it 90 90 let's get to 100 soon See ya. Bye. Na 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 no na na. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent, it's called service. Call State Farm agent Megan Roberts in Atlantic today. 